1: I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. Now, we have consistently been able to walk through not only the victories, but also the challenges in individuals' lives. And our conversation tonight will be both. And I'm excited to have Dr. Irving Fryer, with us this evening now we joked off uh, off, uh mike about his his bio is a good two pages long <laughs> so i won't be able to do it full justice but i do want to be able to share just a little bit about who dr fryer is He was the 1984 number 1 overall draft pick to the New England Patriots. He had an impressive 17-year career playing the sport that he loved with the Patriots, then Dolphins, Eagles, and Redskins. During his outstanding career as a professional football player, Dr. Fryer was a three-time MVP with the Patriots, a two-time MVP with the Dolphins, and a two-time MVP with the Eagles. He retired from the NFL in 2001. During this time in the NFL, he caught 851 passes for 12,785 yards and 84 touchdowns. Dr. Fryer became the first player to record a touchdown reception in 17 consecutive seasons. Along with many other awards, Dr. Fryer was voted True Value Man of the Year. He has also been presented with the prestigious Bart Starr Award as the NFL player who best exemplified outstanding character and leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. He finished his NFL career as the fifth best wide receiver in NFL history, and he is currently senior pastor and founder of the New Jerusalem in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Under Dr. Fryer's leadership, the New Jerusalem has quickly become recognized as a place of res- refuge, solace, and restoration for those in need of spiritual guidance healing and peace recently dr fryer established the redemption community development corporation which is a nonprofit organization seeking to enhance communities through real estate development now you now understand why i am so excited to be able to have a conversation an authentic conversation about the life and the challenges that Dr. Irving Fryer has experienced, has learned from, and now absolutely is impacting and helping others through. Dr. Fryer, welcome to the Flip Side of Adversity radio show.
2: Dr. Jackson, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. <laughs>
1: He did not want energy. me. He your did energy.
2: not want love me that. to read all that. So. No, I, I didn't, but it was okay. You did a great job of reading it. <laughs> but it's Thank good you. to be here. Uh hello all the listeners, all the watchers. Uh let let's let's talk. Let's have this conversation, awesome. man. I'm 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 anxious. We we scheduled this this uh this appearance yes. months ago. Yeah, so months it's ago. finally here. Um, yeah. we're on the hopefully the latter end of COVID. But my goodness
1: <sighs> Only yeah. can hope.
2: Yeah, only, only can help. It, it's in our hands, though.
1: Yes. If we do the
2: right thing and act mm-hmm. like we have some sense and follow protocol, be responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be responsible. Yeah, this thing will will end. But um, we're not doing that right now.
1: <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? As I did my homework uh, around your story, your experiences, you have been able to use your character, your wit, your insight. Um, to navigate challenging things, so I'm excited for what insight strategies mm-hmm. you're able to share with those who are listening. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into my first question: okay. What was life like living mm-hmm. as the number one draft pick, and then a 17-year as a 17-year veteran uh-huh. in football? So what was that life like?
2: Well, it, uh, just like you probably can imagine it was living in a glass house you know um fortunately for me during that time 1984 until 2000 social media wasn't as uh relevant as it is now so when things happened or when uh things when things were spread across the country or news went from one side of the country to the other didn't travel as fast (laughs) and it wasn't on as many platforms but it was it was all that it you know it was cracked up to be Being chosen the number one person in the country out of all of the other college players, I was the first one chosen in the draft. Um, There was a lot of pomp and circumstance that went along with it. Uh, There was a lot of responsibility that came along with it. There was a lot of pressure that came along with it. And coming from uh, a dysfunctional background, doctor, like many of us do, I mean, uh, NFL players, people who are in sports, we're just a microcosm of the world. So a lot of us come from dysfunctional backgrounds and we bring that dysfunction into an environment like that when you're held to a high level of accountability, you have these responsibilities that maybe you've never been made aware of before never been able, never had the opportunity to actually live in that realm uh, and you're bound to make mistakes. And I did. I made mistakes when I was younger. I did some crazy things when I was younger, you know, uh, not having a solid platform, not having a mentor to guide you, so to speak. And then you have options. You're given a lot of money that gives you options. That's like throwing gas on uh, on a fire. <laughs> and that's how mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. for me. And I early in my imagine. career. Yeah. And early in my career, you know, between drugs and alcohol and dysfunction, you know, there were some mistakes that were made. Uh, thank God I uh, didn't end up dead somewhere. Thank God I didn't end up ruining my career. Uh, but somewhere along the line, early in my career, I was led to the Lord, and at that point, around 27 years old, I believe it was, I was able to to at least get around some people that gave me solid advice, that gave me spiritual advice, that really were concerned about me and cared about the choices I made, the decisions I made, and the direction I was going in. So it was, it was what people think it is, you know, mm-hmm. it was the glamour, it was, you know, people looking at you and admiring you and you can get into restaurants and not have to pay the bill. (laughs) You can get front row seats at concerts, all of that stuff. It was all, was all all cracked up to be, but the pressure that comes along with it, Mm -hmm. particularly if you're not groomed for that. Now they do a better job of doing that for, I know in the NFL now they do a better job of doing that for, for guys who come out of college and are entering to the NFL. They do a good job of grooming them Preparing them not just to go in and to play football, but preparing them for all the different variables that they're going to have to deal with in being an NFL player.
1: Wow. I, I could only imagine when I heard you say the statement of like living in a glass bowl or or and just having people peer in mm. judge. As well as uh, criticize, as well as glorify all all of the things that they're watching from the outside. So, how did you actually navigate emotionally on the inside? Saying that you ca- you came from a tough background, mm-hmm. we all have stuff right. in our backgrounds that can show up in moments. So, how did you navigate the emotions of of being watched of being judged of being um even glorified.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I I didn't uh deal with it very well early on. Um when I was drafted I was 21 years old. Um so I was a I had a man's body but I had the mentality of a of a teenager still. I wasn't I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't making good choices. I wasn't making good decisions. And then like I said, you know, having options and then being immature like that it really can lead you down the wrong path. So I didn't handle <clears throat> the criticism. I didn't handle uh, the the glass house very well early on. It wasn't until I met the Lord. It wasn't until I met the Lord. And and understand this, Doc. When I was 17 years old, my grandmother wasn't a prophetess, but she did prophesy and said, you, you're going to be a preacher. And uh, from the time, you know, the Bible says you train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. It doesn't mean they won't run. They just won't get away. <laughs> I love that. And w- when I left home and went to college, I started running. I, start, ah. I mean, there were times, and some of the people if they are watching who used to hang out with me back then, uh, I had a couple of relatives. I would, I would be in the middle of just doing dirt, getting high, running the streets, and I would stop. And one, this one, I won't tell you his name. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep the names away chase, to protect the innocent. Yeah. But this one guy was with me. Yeah. Several times I would stop in the middle of us, just the middle of our, our high party, and I would say, man, God God doesn't want me doing this. I'm not supposed to be doing this. Just wow. messing up our high. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, God, God's hand was on me the whole time. Mm. There's a saying that God takes care of babies and fools. And I believe that that's absolutely 100% true because I wasn't a baby, but I was a fool. Mm-hmm. And, um, if it had not been for him watching out for me and covering me and keeping me yeah. during those crazy times when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, I just wouldn't be here today. That's it's just plain and simple as that. So I didn't handle, uh, the pressure. I didn't handle the moment, so to speak, mm-hmm. as well as I could have. Um, and I can't make any excuses for it. Uh, you heard me say earlier, I come from a dysfunctional background. I did not have uh, what some have, would call a mentor. Uh, I did not have someone that, that I could actually model myself after who had been successful and knew how to deal with money and knew how to deal with people. But I did model myself after someone. Uh, Juwanza Kunjufu says that uh, a 12-year-old boy When he gets to be about 12 or 13, he will choose a man that he thinks is modeling manhood, and he will emulate that man. Whatever that man is doing, if it's a drug dealer, if it's Mm -hmm. a a high-profile guy, if it's a businessman, he'll choose someone at that age, and then he'll model himself and believe that that's what manhood is all about. So I didn't see anybody modeling the kind of manhood that I needed to live out, so I couldn't be it. I couldn't wow. see it, so I couldn't be it. And it wasn't until I got saved and got around preachers and got around Christian folk and got around saved folk, got around folk who were modeling or at least trying to model what God calls manhood, that I actually started getting some of the answers and being pointed in the right direction and started living out uh, in the way I should have. And that, that's when I started handling life better. And that's actually when my career started, started taking off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was able to accomplish actually double in terms of statistics. I doubled the second half of, of my career, what I did in the first half of my career. And that's mm-hmm. not supposed to happen because mm-hmm. I did all of that in my thirties.
1: I was and, getting ready to say yeah. you were older than,
2: <laughs> stop using that word. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> but, but, but for, yeah, football is a young man's sport. Sports are for young people. And when you, in f- football, excuse me, football particularly, when we hit 30 years old, we're really considered old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I did all of my, my my good work from 30 to 37, 38 years old.
1: And I want people to – there are two things that really struck me as I listened to you. One, even though you did not have the model at that critical age – and I often tell uh, parents we also have a um, – power parent conversation that we do on social media. Mm-hmm. And in those conversations, we have often shared with parents, especially of boys, that that 12 year old age is yes. a critical, critical, pivotal age for 12 year olds. And so I completely echo and understand what you're sharing, that they look for that model and mm-hmm. they will model what they think That's right. is manhood. right. But what I just heard you share is even if you didn't have that model there is the opportunity to shape and reshape your character later in life if you encounter those who actually emulate a healing process mm-hmm. the goodness of god ah. that that you you absolutely can can encounter a shift and a change in who you are, even if that's not how you got started.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Powerful shift.
2: Yes, yes. And
1: then the second thing is once you made that shift, it changed not only the inside, but the outside as well, which well, is powerful.
2: What's on the inside will show up on the outside. And that's why mm-hmm. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nick, you must be born again. We have a predisposition when we're born. We're born in sin, shaping in iniquity. We have our genes from our parents that are passed on to us. We have a propensity to sin, to do wrong. But then when we're born again, now we have a holy disposition, and we can change, like you said. We change, and our actions, because we're changed on the inside, now we have that Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to live a holy life like our Father. So we do have that that natural negative gene that our parents passes on to us, that sinful gene, but then we have the holy. And there's a fight that goes on. There's a battle a that goes on. There's a struggle a that struggle. goes on. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the uh, Native American says, there's two dogs inside me, mm. an evil dog and a good dog, mm. and they're battling to try to see who's going to control me. And someone wow. asked the Native American, well, which dog is winning? The Native American said, the one I feed the most.
1: Mm. Wow. I love that. (laughs) And I almost am, I'm just like, wow, that by itself, the one you feed the 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 most. most. I want that to just sit with those who are listening as we get ready to take our next break. As we get ready for this break, I want you to be able to tap into all of the resources that Living Strong Consulting provides What are you feeding the most right now? I'm sure you want, even in this shift and change of experiences that we are having, even whether COVID has ended or not, the opportunity to feed what is healthy and well and healing for you, there are opportunities to find resources to do just that. We are on a journey of building a growth plan And so you'll be able to find out how to log into our upcoming growth webinar, the first Tuesday of September, September 7th. So log into our website, www.livingstrongllc.com for an opportunity to get registered. Our session this month is the law of the trade-offs. You must give up in order to grow up. There are things in your life that you need to give up in order for you to get to the next level. Won't you join us September 7th for the opportunity to do that self-search and identify what your next level can be? We'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
1: Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. For our live webinars, we're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific and let's grow together. It's your time. The law of the trade-offs. We need to give up some things we value to grow up. We all make trade-offs in life. We don't always get what we want, but we always get what we choose. When you want something you've never had, you've got to make changes you've never done. Give up financial security today for potential tomorrow. Give up immediate gratification for personal growth. Give up security for significance. You cannot always make a new start, but you can make a new end. So join us September 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our next growth webinar. Our first Tuesdays with the 15 invaluable laws of growth. We are unpacking Law 11, the law of the trade-off. You must Give up in order to grow up. Register at www.livingstrongllc.com.
0: This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Virdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1 888 346 9141. That's one 888 346 9141 You may also send an email to info at LivingStrongLC.com. Now back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity.
1: Welcome back. Well, if you are still chewing on that nugget that Dr. Fryer just gave us at the end of our first segment, where he said, you know, there are two. There are two, um, the Native American term of two dogs in there fighting back and forth inside of all of us, honestly. You might call it self-talk. Which one are you feeding the most? That's the one that's going to win. I have my next question for you, Dr. Um, Fryer, is how did the trajectory of your life change so drastically after retirement? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well one after retirement you know when I retired I was mm-hmm. actually in media I uh, took a job with CNN SI and CNN Sports Illustrated and I was going down it was a great job I was going down to Atlanta every weekend and doing a live show on Sunday mornings being a color uh, football analyst it was so nice and then AOL came in and, and bought out CNN SI and canceled the show. So then I started doing some work locally uh, as a football, I mean, a sports reporter with ABC, Channel 6 here in Philadelphia. Then while I was minding my own business and doing my own thing and I had my own agenda and I really didn't want to stay in New Jersey, then the Lord called me to pastor. And I started pastoring in 2003. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. Um, But about Man about seven no five six five or six years ago uh, I, I I messed around and got involved with a guy that I should not have trusted is what what is what I need to say um, he's a fraternity brother, a guy I was familiar mm-hmm. with i was uh, it was during that big housing boom, and we were mm-hmm. buying houses and selling houses, buying houses and flip uh, changing them or, or refurbishing them and then selling them. And he ended up doing some stuff that was uh, illegal. Uh, and because he and I had done some business together, there was money and transactions between he and I. I guess he was trying to keep himself from spending a long time in prison, but he put my name in, uh, in with what he was doing. And I was not able to get out of it, long story short. Went to court. It's a, they do a good job of, of painting a picture in court, <laughs> yeah. trying to make you guilty. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the prosecutor the state did a phenomenal job, uh, and it was a lie, but they painted a picture that really seemed like I did it. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to prison, uh, wow. and my life changed. Life changed after that. I was pastoring before that. Uh, while the whole ordeal was mm-hmm. going on, I was you know trying to keep the church involved or informed about what was happening. I uh, told them uh, way ahead of time. At the same time, when I got indicted, uh, my wife of 28 years filed for divorce. So I was going through this whole thing in court and going through a divorce at the same time. And, and I ended up in prison. I uh, stayed in prison. Uh, the judge gave me a five-year sentence. When she sentenced me, it was, it was funny. It was not, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. But when judge, <laughs> the judge sentenced me, she looked at me. She said, Mr. Fryer would have found you innocent you know, based on the information at all. And it was, it was really whack. And I'm, I tell my story a little bit at a time on the fireplace. So if you want to hear my story and I don't tell it in a way where I'm running around saying, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. That's not how I roll. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm doing is I'm giving the facts. When I tell the story, Mm. I give the facts and then let the people come to their own conclusion. But it was really, it was really a uh, traumatic. It -hmm. was a uh, depressing experience that I went through, particularly being in prison, I've never mm-hmm. been in prison. I was in a state prison for eight months and wow. it really changed my life. Wow. Let, let me tell you, uh, about how God is really with us. Uh, the Lord is really with us. If we're looking for it, sometimes it's hard to see it when we're in the middle of the storm, uh, because so much is happening and people are talking and the storm is raging and things are out of control. Maybe we've never dealt with something like that before. So it's really hard sometimes to see God or hear God uh, in the middle of the storm. But when I look back uh, on that experience, God was with me the whole time. It's almost like a Joseph experience. I'm not Joseph, but it was, I had favor in prison. Mm -hmm. When I was in prison, the first day I was there, I was in the county and there was a guy uh, that came to my door. I was in a, uh, a cell by myself in an area where they brought everybody in who came in, who got arrested that particular day. So there was a common areas place where there were bunks and they had one bathroom and there were private cells right off of that common area place. There was a guy, I was in one of the cells and the guy came to my door and just started talking. Uh, how long you got? What did you, they sent you to? Have you been in before? Not asking me specific things, but general questions. And when I answered, after I answered the questions, he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get out of here. You're going to go to craft. They're going to do this. That's going to happen. Tell them you want to go to the farm, Jones farm. When you tell them to go you want to go to Jones farm, this is what's going to happen when you get to Jones farm. This is going to happen when you get out of prison. He said, this is what's going to happen. Now, why that's significant is because that's exactly what happened to that's me.
1: That's exactly what happened. Over the
2: eight months. And everyone else that I met that, I guess I could say I befriended while I was in prison, mm-hmm. they were all trying to tell me, okay, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. You got to do this, you got to do that. This is how long it's going to be. This is how long that's going to be. And none of them were right. But this guy, I was only in jail for a couple of hours. He stood at my door and it was really calming because it helped me know, or helped me at least grasped mentally what was going on. Because I was like in shock. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't believe I was in prison. I never believed I was going to prison. And now I'm here. And I'm eating prison food and I'm sleeping on this bed, mm. this metal bed. And this toilet is nasty. <laughs>
0: right. And it,
2: was, it was just, I mean, last night I was sleeping in my own bed. Um, right. But it was just a whole turnaround. So here comes this guy telling me this is what's going to happen. And mm. what he said was going to happen, happened exactly the way he said it was going to happen. I believe that was God working wow. through him. Didn't take away all the anxiousness. It didn't take away all the all of the feelings that I had, but it helped me to deal with what I was feeling and what I was going through. Um, when I got to craft, let me say this real quick. When I got to craft, I was placed on a tier. A tier is where they have several cells. So there were 16 cells on the right side of the tier. And on the left side of the tier were two TVs, a phone and tables. So that when we were let out of the cells, we could come to the tables and, you know, play cards or just, you know, communicate with one another and fellowship or whatever that we were doing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had my cell was all the way at the end of the tier. So they opened the big door and I walked down and they, all the other guys are in their cells, two to a cell. I had my own cell to myself, I walked all the way past everybody else, all the way to my cell down at the end. My cell door was still open. I took a little bit of pair, a couple pair. pairs pants they gave me and the underwear and the stuff that they gave me coming into prison. I put it up on this bunk. Then guys started coming in my cell. Now I'm thinking to myself, dang, I just got here. I got to fight already? (laughs) 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 That's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to fight already. I just Mm -hmm. got here. So I put my stuff down. I turn around and look Mm -hmm. at these cats. Mm -hmm. And they're coming in and they're bringing me food. They're bringing me socks. They're bringing me underwear. New packs of underwear. Still in the package. They're bringing me uh, mm. undershirts because when you get to prison, you, they give you one pair of pants, one shirt, one pair of Bobo sneakers, a couple pair of socks, a couple pair of T-shirts and a couple pair of underwear. And if you have to spend any significant amount of time in prison, that's not going to get it. You're not going to make it with just just those few things. I asked one of the guys who were coming in, why, why are you guys doing this? He said, this is what we do because we know this is a stressful situation for you. And we know that these are the things that you need and we don't want you to be any more stressed than it already is. So this is what we do here. We all come and bring who's new. We bring them something that they need. And then he said, because for whatever reason, we've all been found guilty.
1: Wow. That's, hmm.
2: and, and, and I wonder, I'm like, that's how the church yeah. is supposed to be.
1: Yeah, all have sinned all and come short of the guilty. glory of God.
2: We're all mm-hmm. guilty. We're but all under we sin.
1: Come, but will we but come when, yes. ready to give When people come judge.
2: to the church, we run them out of the church. Wow. Oh, why Why she have that on? Why she could go into the office? Wow. Why he have to do that? Why he look like can't come no better than that? No, we're supposed to, just like when the church was born in Acts chapter mm-hmm. 2, when the church was born, people went and they sold their possessions and they brought the money mm-hmm. to give to those who were in need. That's mm-hmm. how the church is supposed to operate. And that was just God showing me that he was with me. Yeah.
0: He was just showing
2: me that he was with me. So, so I, I, I had an experience that was bitter sweet. I guess mm-hmm. you could say it was. Mm-hmm. It was something that uh, I didn't fall down myself. I kind of was pushed down. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't go around saying I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Nothing happens by chance or by coincidence. Uh, but I tell you what. I got a chance to experience God in a way that I never would have and never had experienced God had I not gone to prison. It also gave me an opportunity. Doc, you won't believe this, but I was I've been treated since I've been out of prison. It was five years, June 6th of this this year, five years I've been out since I've been out of prison. I've been treated better by white folk than I have wow. by black Christians. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, continue, I continue to think about uh, two things that really hit me as you were just talking. Mm-hmm. One, going back to the first segment where you talked about you would come into the NFL with your baggage from your past. Right. And didn't have an image, a strong image of manhood for you to model. But in the middle of that, someone entered into your life mm-hmm. to begin to reshape and provide um, a direction for you in, in that situation. And in it, the same elements of yes. that, I heard when you hit what some would call the bottom and you're in those moments when you're feeling lost. So the first story you were at the top right? and he still provided for you. You were at the bottom and in the same way, yes, using individuals that were around you to show you, I still see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: God, God wow. loves us no matter what. And
1: whether you're on the top or the bottom. the
2: bottom. Yep, and everything in between. And, and God will allow us sometimes to go mm-hmm. through struggles to, to build our strength. It's not for any particular reason, so to speak, but so that we would trust him more. That's, that's what God wants mm-hmm. from us anyway, that we are totally dependent on him. And when I came out of prison, uh, because of the divorce, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any clothes. I didn't have a house. I didn't have anything. So I was totally dependent on God. But that was a great place for me to be in because I've ne- I had never been like that before. I'd never been in that place before. So I had to really, totally trust God. I mean, there have mm-hmm. been times in the last five years when I've said to God, God, listen, I need some money. And yeah. right out of the blue, yeah. I get a call or yeah. something would come in the mail or somebody would put some money in my hand. Uh yeah. that's just how it's been. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how it's been. Mm-hmm. God has has continued to open doors. He's continued to make a way. He's continued Now now understand this too. We all are where we are because of our own choices and our own decisions. So, mm-hmm. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else. I'm not I'm not blaming anybody else because ultimately when you pull or when you peel back all of the layers on my situation, ultimately it's my fault because mm-hmm. I trusted a guy rather than seeking God about him. Wow. I trusted him as my frat brother. I trusted him because there were other people who said he was trustworthy and he knew what he was doing in this area uh, that they had dealt with before. And come to find out, he messed them over too. Just it didn't Mm. get to this extent. But um, so instead of seeking God about him, I trusted him off Mm. man's word. And that's my fault. Mm -hmm. That's my Mm -hmm. fault. So ultimately, you know, I need to take ownership because I'm the one who trusted him. I'm the one that gave him access to me and gave him access to my mother. Uh, so ultimately it's my fault. I had to apologize to my mother for that. Cause I'm like, mom, wow. this wouldn't have happened had I not given him access to us.
0: Wow.
2: So, so really it's my fault.
1: So I'm curious. Um, and this has been an amazing, uh, I, I think about the two parts of the first segment and the second segment of how we, uh, you explained the fishbowl moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fame. Right. And, yeah. and then it was still a fishbowl moment, right. but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And as you talked about how people have even judged or treated you, good or bad, it's still a fishbowl moment. As we get ready to take another break shortly... I think it's an opportunity for us when we come back from this break to begin to unpack what have you learned mm-hmm. you shared in, in your explanation of your experience that it changed you mm-hmm. and that you actually met God in an entirely new way. And I know he does nothing by accident And he will allow anything that he allows, he will continue to use later. So I know you are using every bit (laughs) of your experiences um, moving forward. So Mm -hmm. as we get ready for to come back from this next break, I want us to jump into What are the remarkable things that you have begun to see, experience, and do Mm -hmm. since that time? But we'll take a short break, and we'll be back in a few moments. As you get ready for this break, I want you to think about, are you growing? Are you growing in this season? And do you actually have a growth plan you see, sometimes we talk about growing, but it often is that we hope it automatically happens, and that's not actually how growth works. Growth requires intentionality and strategy. So will you lean into the opportunity to learn how to grow by joining our growth crew every first Tuesday of the month, we embark on a growth experience. This September 7th at 7 p.m., join our crew. Register on our our website, www.livingstrongllc.com. I hope to be able to grow with you. And guess what? It's free. (laughs) It's just an opportunity for us to create an experience of growth with you. So when we come back, we're going to jump into the last part of our conversation with Dr. Irving Fryer. We'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: The law of the trade-offs. We need to give up some things we value to grow up. We all make trade-offs in life. We don't always get what we want, but we always get what we choose. When you want something you've never had, you've got to make changes you've never done. Give up financial security today for potential tomorrow. Give up immediate gratification for personal growth. Give up security for significance. You cannot always make a new start, but you can make a new end. So join us September 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our next growth webinar. Our first Tuesdays with the 15 invaluable laws of growth. We are unpacking Law 11, the law of the trade-off. You must give up in order to grow up. Register at www livingstrongllc.com Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com And grab your spot for First Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your
0: time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veardra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity.
1: Well, this conversation is going by so Fast, I cannot believe. And if you've been listening, I've actually only asked my two first questions. two questions. So <laughs> this is the problem. This is a problem. But we'll we'll have to have you back for part two. That, that's that's all that that's all we could do. That's all we could do. I would love to come back. <laughs> so come back. real quick, we, we did have a question that posted, how did you cope in the difficult places? How did you cope? in the difficult places
2: it's it's simple and Mm -hmm. it's because it was already there before i found myself in that place it was my faith it was my faith that's the only thing that kept me from losing my mind my faith in god that it wasn't did i get mad at god yes did i question god yes not question who he is because he is god he's he's the supreme he's sovereign he can do whatever he wants to do whenever he gets ready with whomever he pleases and we, don't, we can't ask him any question. He doesn't have to answer to any of us. So I wasn't questioning who God is, but I was, just, I was asking him some questions. God, you told me to go to trial. You told me to do this. You told me to do that. What in H-E double hockey sticks is mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, but my faith never wavered. And you mentioned it just a little bit earlier before the break, uh, hitting rock bottom. And for me, it was rock bottom. It was rock bottom. I didn't have anything. And felt like I didn't have anybody except when you hit rock bottom. Good God Almighty. Jesus <laughs> is the rock at the bottom. Yeah, Stand on the rock.
1: Yeah, And that's
2: all I could do was stand on my faith.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: as I stood on my faith in God, God began to not necessarily deliver me, but God began to restore me and replenish me and revive me uh, and and revitalized the things that mm-hmm. were going on in my life, but it, but was it tough? Has it been tough? Yeah. Yes. But am I tougher? Yes, I am. Yes. yes I am. We have, I think we have a propensity in this country to build people up and then chop them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we build up heroes, mm-hmm. we build up people with popularity and with fame and, and all this adulation. And then we, then as soon as we get a chance, we chop them down. And that's kind of what happened to me. But, I discovered, particularly in the church, mm-hmm. most of the people that came uh, and that left when yes. this adversity came, because it was mm-hmm. like, it's similar to Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but it's, <laughs> it's similar to Jesus. You know, when Jesus started getting all that, in all that trouble and they were marching in from judgment hall to judgment hall and accusing him and all that, he had all those 12 disciples. They were following him. They were with him. Mm-hmm. They were on his side. And then when all that trouble started coming, they, they turned their backs and they left. And mm-hmm. Jesus was left with one parent and mm-hmm. one friend, Peter. Mm-hmm. And Peter was shaky at best because when <laughs> because Peter denied him. When they started denied. looking at Peter, yeah, yes. he denied him three times. So He's that's all you're going to get when you find yourself up against mm-hmm. the wall. You're going to get one parent supporting you and one friend. And that one friend is going to be <laughs> shaky at best. And I fa- I found out that when I was going through what I was going through and people were leaving the church and people were throwing salt as they were leaving the church and people were talking about me and dogging me and my wife divorced me and all of that, that, uh, most of those people, they weren't followers of Christ. They were just Mm. fans of friar. They -hmm. were my fans. They came to the church because they were fans. And you know, when stuff goes bad, fans Fans are are fair weather. Yeah. They're (laughs) fair weather. They leave. And the true followers of Christ stayed Mm -hmm with the church. They stayed in wow. the church. They were there when I got back. Those that came supposedly are supposed to come because God tells them this is where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So God is the one who should be telling them this is time for you to, to, go. Time to go. That's not why people left. They left because mm-hmm. they couldn't handle what other people were saying. They couldn't handle what was going on with their pastor. They didn't want to have to answer questions about what was happening with the pastor in the church. Um, so I, I discovered that, that people wow. that came, Uh, and God shook the trees, or God shook us Mm -hmm. up as a church, and we're still still going. There are many churches that have gone through far less than we've gone through. When I came out of prison, we still kicking it, still paying the bills, nothing got behind. We did get behind in our mortgage one time. I let the people know, bang, they caught the mortgage up. We've been caught up ever Mm -hmm. since. There's been no problem. So we've been through far more than many churches have been through, and we're still banging. We're still doing it. And if Our church, the New Jerusalem, if God didn't want it to be, it would not be so.
1: It It would not be so.
2: It would not have survived.
1: So you know what? I want to hear about what are some of the remarkable things that are happening um, either with you personally um, and the Friar place Mm -hmm. or uh, with the New Jerusalem? What's going on?
2: With the New Jerusalem, uh, it's a miracle to me. It's a miracle that we're up. We're still up and running we've been able to make adjustments because because when uh COVID-19 hit and we all got kicked out of the church uh those churches who did not have a presence virtually needed Mm -hmm. to figure out what they were going to do and right before COVID hit we had started doing things virtually with my phone and with my sister's phone uh but then when I saw uh the studio you're in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with with a friend of mine in that studio preaching, I decided, yes. listen, we need to pick up our game. And we, start, we got everything together that we needed to make things look professionally and sound professionally in the church. So the church is doing well. Uh, our people, it's a challenge that we have as pastors because people aren't really flocking back to the church. They're watching us online, but they're mm-hmm. not really. Our church has been open since February, but mm-hmm. they're not coming back and attending uh, in person. So that's a mm-hmm. challenge that we have as pastors to try to figure out how exactly we balance that and what exactly to do. I've, I believe that we're going to be more virtual than we are personal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, as the future continues to, uh, to, to move forward. Um, I started a CDC uh, okay. during the pandemic, a community development corporation. You mentioned it redemption yes. community development corporation. We have a project in Millville. We're building a uh, modular home factory. Uh, And we're not just building it to make money. We're building a modular home factory. And along with the modular home factory, we're building a residential uh, building where people who are coming out of prison can transition into that building. We teach them skills in the modular home factory, whether it's an electrician, whether it's a carpenter, whether it's a plumber, we teach them those skills while they're staying there they also make money while they're staying there. They also get life skills presented to them while they're staying there. They have a support system uh, that we provide for them because people who are coming out of prison, like myself, mm-hmm. we do hard time while we're mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. then we do soft time for the rest of our lives. I'm, mm-hmm. My prison sentence, the felony that's stamped on my back, is still causing me problems today, five years later. It was still, I'll still be dealing with issues from it. Probably, and I'm not trying to speak this into existence, but for years to come, I'll still mm-hmm. be dealing with that felony and not to have, I don't even understand how some people can come out of prison and make it not having a support, a support system, system, not having mm-hmm. adequate housing, not having transportation, mm-hmm. not having a job. People won't hire you, hire you not having any money, not having those things causes you to have to do something desperate. Right. And that's how the recidivism rate is so high and people wind up back in prison. There were a couple of people who left prison while I was in prison and came back, back. while I was still in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing back here? <laughs> I'm never yeah. coming back here again. Um so, shift. So, yeah, we're the CDC, we're doing something. I'm trying to do something to make a difference mm-hmm. in the lives of those who are in the system. I'm in the system yeah. now. And, you know, yeah. if I can say this real quick, thank God for the women in my life. You know, while I was in prison, uh, I met my wife while I was in prison. It started out uh, being someone who was taking care of my affairs while I was in prison. Her name is Mm -hmm. Serena. She's the director of finances at the church. So while I was in prison, when I went to prison, I turned over all my personal stuff to her. Take care of my bills, take care of emails, go check on my, my apartment every now and then, take care of everything for me. So she would, watch this now, Visiting days were Saturday and Sunday. So Serena would drive and get my mother and my sister. And my sister is the one who took care of the church. She's an elder in the Mm -hmm. church. She would get my mother and sister and bring them to see me on Saturday in the prison. And then take them back home. And then she would come back on Sunday before church. And she and I would visit and talk about what needed to be done business-wise. And then she'd go to church. She did that. I was in prison for eight months. She did that for eight months. Didn't miss a weekend. Didn't miss a weekend even when wow. I tried to keep her away and tell her not to come. And these mm-hmm. were during the months of October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. So there was a lot of winter months in that mm-hmm. time. Um, and she did that. Now, over time, those conversations changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. I got out of prison on June 6, 2016, and I married her September 8, 2016.
0: Beautiful. So that, that's
2: my wife. But it's, it reminds awesome. me, reminds me of Moses. If it had not been for the women in Moses' mm-hmm. life, Moses never would have made it. His mother hid him, protected him when he was a kid. She put him in that basket. Then his sisters stayed at a distance to Mm -hmm. watch, to make sure he didn't go too far, to make sure that he didn't drift too far, to make sure that he was going to make it through what he was in without anything happening to him. Mm -hmm. And just a point to all the sisters right now, she didn't have to get in it with him to help him get out of it. So, (laughs) and then, and then there was a woman who was not a part of his family? Who gave him was Pharaoh's daughter. Gave yeah. him a hand up, not a hand out. Yeah. She lifted him up. Lifting if it were him. not for the women in Moses' life, Moses never would have made it. I'm blessed wow. like Moses. If it were not for the women in my life during the worst time of my life, I never would have made it.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate acknowledging um, that statement. That you didn't. You don't have to go into it with yes. so in order. You don't have to get in it. Yeah. So you know what, Dr. Fryer, I'm telling you, we are just about out of time. So <laughs> I want with the last more. two minutes, I know we have got to get a part two. <laughs> the last two minutes that we have left. How can people follow you, find out more about what you're doing, um, connect with you? Where, where are you?
2: Well, I'm on. I am on Instagram at Dr. Fryer. I am on Instagram. You can find me there. I'm. I am on Facebook. Irving Fryer on Facebook. Uh, but where I really want people to go is to the Fryer Place. If you go to YouTube and search the Fryer Place, that's F. I think you can see it. Can you see it?
1: F R Y A R. Yeah,
2: F R Y A R. Yeah, not E R. E R is a chicken. A R. <laughs>
1: All
0: right. A R.
2: Yeah, A R. Search the Fryer Place and subscribe. We're on every. Uh, every Friday at noon, live noon Eastern Standard Time, and then we po- we post after that, so you can see it uh, afterwards. I'm trying to be well-rounded. I've had several football players on, yes, but we've had a uh, doctor on, Dr. Tanya Tinsley. She takes she's written a book called Four Quarters, and she uses psychology and spirituality and mixed mixed them together, mixes them together to help mm-hmm. people live better lives. I've had Mr. Mario Henry on uh, one of the shows. He is uh, with um, the the U.S. Housing Exchange. He's out of Houston and MWR, Making Wealth Reality Financial. So he came on and talked about finances and, and talked about credit. I've had uh, Reggie Dabbs, uh, the number one new speaker in the world, came on. He was awesome. And I've had several football players, the Marks brothers, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. This week, I'm actually having uh, Andre Reid on, Hall of Fame wide receiver. And next week, I'm having uh, Randall Cunningham on. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we do so, a, we have a good time and go to the Friar place, go to the Friar place. To the
1: fryer place. Yes. And on that, we hope that you have enjoyed this flip side story. Check us out next week. Same time, same place. Thank you, Dr. Fryer.
2: Thank you, Dr. Jackson. Please, pleased to meet you. And uh, I had a good time and yeah,
0: let's do this again.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, The Flip Side of Adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Virdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.